In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Welcome to Working with the Word, a weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. I'm Jeff O'Rear. And I'm Emerson Brown. Thank you for tuning into the 45th episode of Working with the Word. Today, we start digging into the Gospel of John, focusing on the first 18 verses of chapter 1. Before John gets into the action of John the Baptist's work and then quickly moving into Jesus' ministry, we have this short but very important introduction. As we talked about in our last episode, John tells us towards the end of his Gospel, the reason for writing is that so we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God that by believing we would have life in his name. That's the somewhat paraphrase I'm thinking of, I can get in my mind right now, of John 20, 30, and 31. This prologue, as it's often known, these first 18 verses of John 1, looks to establish the same point, but in different words. The big idea here is that Jesus is God. So, let's do some more observation once again before we start to dive into our discussion of this episode by rereading John 1. 1 through 18. All right, this is John 1, 1 through 18 from the Christian Standard Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. So what we're going to be doing today is breaking down this section into two halves, although not two equal halves. We're going to be looking at the first 13 verses as we're introduced to this character known as the Word. Surprise, surprise, that's Jesus. 
And then we'll be talking about from the latter section, verses 14 through 18, this idea of the Word becoming flesh and some very important points there in those last five verses. So some things we see in these first 13 verses are the fact that Jesus is the Word, or that Jesus is God. John begins with, in the beginning, which probably for a lot of us who are familiar with the Scriptures, or at least familiar with the story of the Bible, is reminding us of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there are a lot of parallels between what we see, some themes and topics in John 1 here, with what we see even in Genesis 1 in the creation account. You see Jesus being there in the beginning, understanding that Jesus is eternal. This idea of being an eternal being is a God characteristic. That means that God is outside of time. He's not really, 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 really old. You know, you can just kind of keep saying really until it just becomes a whole type of mumble there. The idea is he has no age. He's outside of that concept of time. That's hard for our time-bound bodies and minds to understand, but the same thing is true about Jesus, that he existed there at the beginning and even before the beginning of creation. And in fact, we even see and hear his role in creation. We see him that apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So all that was there described in Genesis chapter 1, Jesus is involved in that work of creation. That's, again, more God work. God has the power to create like that. Yeah, and, you know, the first thing that would jump out to the original reader is are those first three words, in the beginning. And John wants us to think about Jesus's role there in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and what John is telling us is that Jesus was there, and Jesus was present. And not only that, but he was active, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's true, then he is, as you point out, he is eternal. He, he existed before the beginning. And th- this is jumping ahead just a little bit, but later on in, in verse 15, John the baptizer, John the Baptist, talks about how Jesus is greater than him because he existed before me. We know from from Luke's account that John was actually born before Jesus. <laughs> so, in what sense did Jesus exist before him? Well, because he always has existed. And so, yeah, John wants us to think about Jesus's role as as the Creator, and, and that's really clear here from John chapter one. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of John the Baptist, we get some verses about him in John chapter one, verse six through verse nine, and it's kind of weird. Here we are talking about. The word, he's you know bringing life and light to people who are in darkness, and we see that the darkness is not going to overcome him. We saw this about him being eternal and his power in creation, and all of a sudden in verse six is, hey, here's this guy named John. It's like, okay, is he the word? Why are we talking about him? And in fact, John the apostle, who's the writer of this gospel, goes on and explains, now he's not the word, he's not the Messiah, but he is going to do some very important work that's going to help prepare the way for the Messiah. As we're familiar with from many of the other gospel accounts, most of the gospels or all the gospels are going to have early on some work of John the Baptist and what he's doing. And even here in John, we see some of that as well. So as we're talking about John the Baptist and here's this guy, John, in John, we're going to do our best to try to make sure we distinguish early on about, we're talking about the writer, are we talking about the person of John the Baptist? But I think we want to see the fact that John is just, or excuse me, John the Baptist 
is preparing the way for the light. Verse 8, once again, he is not the light or was not the light. He came to testify about the light. And verse 9, very important, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming to the world. Jesus is going to come, and he is that true light we're really interested in learning more about. Yeah, and, and you're talking about light and darkness. That's, that's another connection back to Genesis chapter 1, because the, the very first thing that God made was light. He said, let there be light, and it says there was light. It just happened. And, and another connection to Genesis 1 is this idea of, of the word. I mean, Jesus, before he's even introduced as Jesus, he's introduced in kind of, to our minds, kind of this strange way as the word. But if you remember in Genesis 1, God speaks, and just through his word, he creates and he gives life. And it's the same way with Jesus. Jesus is that life-giving power. Jesus is the one through whom this light comes and this life. And so you think about Jesus being the word, he's, he's God speaking to us in a very personal way to give us life and to show us light. Exactly. So all these things we're learning about Jesus here, we need to get into this final section of these first few verses and see that, okay, We know about this John the Baptist guy. He's just referred to as John right now. He's preparing the way for the light. But understand that there's going to be some conflict. We're introduced to a theme here of coming off of the idea of light and darkness and understanding that Jesus is the light. That's going to continue throughout the gospel. There will be times that Jesus talks about how he is the light of the world or how there are those who are in darkness and they don't like the light. And so we see in verse 10 and verse 11 There are some in the world who really are created by Jesus, but yet they're going to choose to reject him. They're going to choose to not believe in him, to not accept him as God. They're going to discredit him for all the signs that he does and say that that's not really true, or he's working of the devil and doing things like that. But as we move forward, we understand that we need to look for these confrontation or rejection stories that are going to be there throughout John's gospel and how people are approaching Jesus and responding to him. The flip side of that is what we see there in verse 12 and verse 13, is there are some who are going to receive him, or some of those who are described as those who are going to believe in him. And those people are going to be people who are known as children of God. Now, they're not children of God because they were born into the family of Abraham or because of any other man-made way. It's because of God's will, and they followed God's will. They believed God's will and and trusted in that and obeyed what God's will is. This idea they've been born again. We'll talk about more of that as we'll get into John 3, something we read in our last episode, but we'll talk more in depth once we get to that particular section. And so continue to look for those ideas of, are people rejecting Jesus? Are they accepting Jesus? And those are good things to know as you read the gospel But we'll go ahead and say now the most important thing to do with that information is to say, what are you doing with Jesus in these stories? When John goes and talks about how there are some people who choose to reject Jesus, Jesus will be in a crowd of people, he'll be doing these signs, and some people will have this kind of, you know, I imagine it's, you know, four or five people have kind of stuck their heads together and say, you know, could this be the Messiah? Some people are like, no, that's crazy. You know, he's just some stranger. And some people are like, I don't know, I I think it could be him. And I think the point when John is talking about and records those short conversations for us is he's trying to get us to think about where are we 
in the spectrum? Mm-hmm. Where are we in our faith and belief in Jesus? And as you look for even that phrase going forward in the gospel, look for the idea of belief and how often it's connected to the idea of eternal life and how we must believe in Jesus if we're going to be looking for that salvation, for the eternal life, if we really will be children of God. And yeah, that's really helpful to remember because I'll be, I'll be honest, the, the gospel of John is, it's probably the hardest gospel for me to grasp because, and this is something that we've talked about in our preparation for these episodes, John is kind of an abstract gospel. I mean, he he talks a lot about light and dark and bread. And I mean, those are, some of those are, bread is a tangible thing, yeah. but light isn't. I mean, mm-hmm. we can understand the concept, but, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't tell stories in, in John like the parables of Luke or Matthew. And so Matthew, Mark, and Luke are kind of more tangible, you know, to, to grasp. But John is very abstract. And especially here in, in the first chapter, got all this, you know, the word and, and, and light and dark. But really, all of this is not meant to be philosophical or like theological. Obviously, it is theological in that it teaches us about Jesus and, and God. But it's not just for the sake of, oh, that's really interesting. Right. Like you're, like you're saying, it's meant to be very, very down to earth when it comes to what are we going to do with Jesus, right? Yeah. And I find it interesting what, what John says, that Jesus came to his own, which I think refers to the fact that he came into the creation that he made. He built this, and yet he's inserting himself into it. And yet his own people did not receive him. The very people that should have known, should have recognized who he was, not only as the Messiah, but as the creator. We're going to see Jesus proves that over and over again. They didn't receive him. And will will we, you know, receive him? Uh, What are we going to do with Jesus? Absolutely. So speaking of maybe some topics that are somewhat difficult for us to grasp or understand mentally, we're picking up in verse 14. And so the word we described as being the creator of everything and eternal, existing before time, the word became flesh. I'm not sure how much we'll be able to try to get into that or explain that, but that at least transitioned us into our next section, Emerson. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. That That is really one of the hardest things to understand about, about the gospel. Verse 14, the word, so this word that we've just described, the the one that was with God in the beginning. The Word was God, and He made all things in the beginning. He became flesh, so God became flesh in some way. And and there's no way that I can explain that. The fact that Jesus can be 100% deity, which I think the Bible very clearly teaches. He is 100% deity. He shares the characteristics of being eternal, the the all-powerful one. He, He takes upon the names of God for Himself. But at the same time, he he is fully a human being. I mean, he he suffers as a human. He he feels the limitations of being human. He gets hungry and things like that. The word became flesh. I don't know how to explain that, but we're going to see in John that, that that's exactly who Jesus is. And whether or not we can grasp it or even explain it, this is who Jesus is. And this is what John wants us to contemplate about him. Mm-hmm. And the the most amazing thing is that it says the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And I think that's really, really important for the gospel. This word dwelt can also be translated tabernacled. He tabernacled among us. And if you kind of zoom out to 
you know, the whole story of the Bible, of course, the, the theme of the tabernacle is really important. And mm-hmm. later on, that is, is transferred kind of to the temple theme that's, that's developed. The fact that God dwells with his people, and he, he wants to have that relationship personally with his people. And, you know, we see in the Old Testament, they build this tent where God can dwell among them in some limited way. And then later on the temple, and, and, and God can dwell in them again in a limited way. But here we have, we have God himself, the word, actually living among people, living among us, very literally. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so you, you see that Jesus is kind of the fulfillment of all of that. And, uh, and it's just really amazing to think about. And I think what John wants us to see is just how amazing that is, that he has come down from heaven to, to live to walk on the dusty streets of Jerusalem and Galilee <laughs> yeah, and, and to identify and be with his people and, and to feel what they feel and to experience what they experience and ultimately to suffer for them on their behalf and on my behalf. I, I think really one of the big things we need to take away from this, again, not to jump a, too much ahead, but just to be amazed at the fact that God did this for us. Yeah, And so you, you see hints of the, the temple later on in, in John chapter 2, Jesus is going to say, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And John explains, he's not talking about the physical temple, he's talking about the temple of his body. Yeah. And so Jesus understood that he was God in the flesh among his people, and that he had come to dwell among his people. One of the other really cool things about this last section, and we won't get really in in depth with this, but when you read verses 14 through 18, there are a lot of connections to the Old Testament, just like in the first section in the beginning creation language. If you go back and read Exodus 33 to 34, you see a lot of connections here to John 1. So in Exodus 32, the Israelites are at the foot of Mount Sinai and they start worshiping the golden calf. And because Moses is up on the mountaintop, they've, you know, they're wondering where he is. Yeah. And after that, Moses goes back up to the mountain after he sees what they've done, and he intercedes for them. And in that process, in that conversation with God, in Exodus 33, Moses says, show me your glory. God has said, I'm not going to go up with you to the, to the land. You can go up by yourselves. Moses knows that's not going to work. It's going to fail. It's a doomed mission if God is not with them. And so he says, show me your glory. And here in John 1, it says that we observed his glory. And it's the glory of of Jesus. Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God's glory because he is God. And then later on, God says in response to Moses's question, you can't see my face because no one can see me and live. And John says, no one has seen God at any time, but the one and only son who is himself God, he has revealed him. He has manifested him. He has shown him. And so even though no one can see the fullness of God's glory, we can see a piece of that and an even greater piece of that in Jesus than has ever been seen before through, through him. The, the Lord says to Moses, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to cover you with my hand and I'm going to pass by and you're going to see my backside. And when he does that, he says, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. There's two qualities there of God that are mentioned here in John 1, that Jesus is full of grace and truth. 
And so I think the comparison between Moses and Jesus is really interesting. And the comparison is not, okay, the Old Testament and Moses is all about law, law, law. You have to obey. And that Jesus is all about love and just grace and mercy and forgiveness. That's not the contrast. The contrast is Moses revealed God in a right way, but in a limited way through the law. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, he revealed God in an even greater way because he is God. He is God himself. And so, and one of the coolest things about that is that the reason Moses was on the mountain to begin with was to mediate for the people's sins. He was there to go between the people and God. They had sinned, and Moses was there to help repair that relationship. That's exactly what Jesus did when he came down to this world, mm-hmm. is he came here to repair our relationship with God. We had sinned against him. And what did God do? He sent Jesus to mediate on our behalf. And so I think that's why we're going to see in, later on in, in chapter 1, John says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what Jesus came to do in an even greater way than Moses could ever do. Moses, remember, Moses said to God, don't destroy the people. If you have to do, destroy someone, destroy me. Blot me out of your book. And, and, of, God, and of course, God didn't, didn't take him up on that. Mm-hmm. But what Jesus did is he, he said, I'll, I'll take the suffering. I'll, I'll take the penalty of, of these people's sins. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus does that for us. So it's just really cool. But it, it's, it's not just cool. <laughs> you know, it's not, again, it's not just theoretical stuff. What, what's the so what here? I think the so what is that if, if Jesus really is God, what does that mean for my life? How do I live? And, and, and how does that change me and, and who I am. If we want to understand God, then we need to look to Jesus. We don't look to anybody else. We don't look to any other self-proclaimed prophet. We don't look to to anyone else except Jesus. Jesus is where it's at. Right. Later on, Jesus is going gonna, is gonna to say, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. We need to understand that, that Jesus is the one and only. And so if we want to understand God, look at Jesus. Later on in John 14, Philip said to Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus looks at him, I I can just picture this in my mind, Jesus looks at him with love and just says, Philip, have I been with you this whole time, and you still don't see that you have seen the Father? You've seen me. And if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And so, do we want to understand God? Do we want to understand him, the Father? God has made himself accessible to us through Jesus. So look to him. So understanding the so what, let's move into our challenge before we close this week. The so what is the application, as we're, again, trying to remind ourselves of working through Bible books like this, is to put into practice observation, looking to interpret and understand God's meaning in the text, and then most importantly apply that understanding of if Jesus is God, what does that mean for my life and how I live and how I understand God? The challenge for us this week then is to encourage you to, again, do some observation, do some more reading in John 1, 1 through 18. And we've been mentioning Jesus is God, and there are a few things that we've said that we think back up that point. But we want you to try to find two or three things from John chapter 1, 1 through 18, that help you to clearly see 
that Jesus is God. Now, you know, we may go and talk about, again, that doesn't necessarily mean we fully understand. You know, we could read something like, the Word became flesh and understand that Jesus is God and Jesus is man, and 100% plus 100% equals 200%, and I don't know how that works in a human being, but that I believe that to be true. But we want you to try to find out some type or two to see from the text a few things that will help you to, to remember and to help you grow in your convictions that Jesus is God. Thank you for tuning in to Working with the Word today. Next time, we'll finish John chapter 1 as we move further into the text and see Jesus' first interaction with his disciples. Until then, we want to remind you that we're still taking requests for our Difficult Passages series. So if you've got one that you'd like for us to explore, please send it to us. As always, you can find and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Working with the Word, on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast, or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. All one word, workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity.